Today we have IndyCar Series driver James Hinchcliffe. He's driving part-time this year for Andretti Autosport and spending the rest of his time in the NBC Sports booth for their IndyCar coverage. We talked to him about the unprecedented decision this week to hold the Indy 500 later this month without fans and how he's balancing his time in the car and the booth. I'm Adam Stern and this is SBJ Unpacked. For today's SBJ Unpacked, we have IndyCar Series driver and NBC Sports analyst James Hinchcliffe. Hey, James, thanks for joining us today. Of course. Thanks for having me on. Obviously, really interesting news this week and, and tough news in certain regards, and yet understandable, of course, all those things wrapped into one with the news that the Indy 500 is not going to run with fans for the first time ever. You know, you're obviously in an interesting role. You know, you deeply understand the business side of the sport, you know, work as an analyst and also are continuing as a driver kind of with a dual role. Um, are set to run in the Indy 500 with Andretti Autosport. What was your reaction to the announcement this week of, you know, just, and, and how can you put into words for, for our viewers and readers, you know, just how tough of a decision that was and, and what it means? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's, uh, it's a disappointing one in a lot of ways, but necessary. You know, obviously the, the people making these decisions are, are making them, you know, certainly with as much information as is physically available uh, they're certainly not taking these decisions lightly. And and obviously, if they decided to do this, this was the right move. Uh, it, do, it doesn't make it any, you know, any easier to take, though. You know, the, uh, the Indy 500 is such a special event. And, and, you know, from the race teams and the driver's standpoint, from a business side, it's really the hallmark event for <clears throat> all the sponsors as well. And so even, even bringing the capacity down to, to 25%, which I think they announced a few weeks ago, uh, down from 50 it still allowed, you know, some sweet capacity and, and you could still host uh, some of your sponsors and they could host, whether it's customers, clients, potential customers, uh, all the things that really make motorsports sponsorship turn at the end of the day is, you know, those, those B2B connections and, and those at track events, it kind of, it kind of took them off the table. And so that, that was a really big, uh, a really big struggle from, you know, the team side and, and the business side of the sport um, and then certainly as a driver, you know, the, the fans make this event, you know, that's why we get to do what we do. And so to, to not be able to share that with them in the way that you, you know, we traditionally do at Indy, obviously you can still watch on, on NBC, but uh, it's not quite the same as being there in person. So it's, it's been a big blow for sure. And we know that you obviously landed a new sponsor this year with, with Genesis and are working with them at Andretti you know, with, with sponsors like Genesis, but obviously all the sponsors in the sport, I mean, how are they and, and also the teams going to be able to cope with this? I mean, we know that IndyCar and IMS are looking at maybe allowing some executives from sponsors on site, but it's not going to be a lot. It's not going to be anything compared to what we would usually have for the big hospitality parties. You know, how are teams and sponsors going to be able to cope with this development, do you think? You know, I, I think every every relationship with every sponsor on each team is is different and is unique in its own way. But you know, one of the underlying themes I think that we've seen throughout the entire pandemic is is how people actually have, have come together to support each other. And and, uh, and and that's certainly been very prevalent in our sport. You know, we have a, a lot of partners that have not been, uh, you know, the teams have not been able to, to service the deliverables on the contract to the word of the contract through no fault of their own, just due to circumstance. And um, it, it certainly could have opened doors uh, or has opened doors for, for, for some sponsors to, you know, take action or have a, have a certain, you know, stance on how to, how to cope with it and how to deal with it. But 
everybody's been very supportive. Everybody understands that, you know, we're all kind of struggling through this together. This is not what anybody wants. This is nobody's fault. And what I'm hearing up and down pit lane from a lot of the team owners is that the partners we have in the IndyCar series are incredible partners. And, you know, they've been very understanding. Uh, we've certainly had to adjust a lot of things. You know, we've been trying to do as much as we can, you know, from a, from a hospitality or at least, you know, experience side virtually. Um, and, and like you say, they're still kind of working out the details on, on whether or not we'll be able to bring some, some executives or at least, you know, a limited number of people, you know, per entry to the track to at least experience it. And, you know, with Genesis, I, I feel so bad for them because we had a three race deal this year and, you know, no fans were allowed at the, the race in Texas, which they were also the entitlement sponsor for. No fans were allowed at the, the GP, which was my next race. And, you know, it was, it was set to all be good for the 500. And, you know, we're heading into our, our third and final race of the year and they haven't even seen the car on track in person yet. So it's, it's definitely a struggle, but they, they have been incredibly supportive and understanding, which is all the more impressive when you think this is their first foray into motorsports. So, you know, they don't, uh, they don't have a lot of experience with it and could have thought, Hey, this doesn't actually sound like that much fun anymore. We're going to, we're going to, you know, take our toys and go somewhere else. But they've been very supportive of me, of me and, and Avenger Eddie Autosport. And, uh, and hopefully that's a relationship we can kind of keep building. And if anything, this maybe makes us stronger as a group. We know that that IndyCar owner, Roger Penske had said, you know, a couple months ago that, Hey, look, if we run the 500, it's only going to be with fans. You know, obviously IndyCar worked very hard to make that happen. It just wasn't possible in the end. And now we are doing it without fans. Do, do you feel like this is kind of a, a situation where that reversal was necessary because, you know, teams not having a year with the Indy 500 because how big the purse is, what it means to sponsors from a viewership perspective, it, it just wasn't feasible to, to have a year without the Indy 500. I, th I think that's just it. You know, I think, uh, trust me, if, if there was any possible way to have done this with fans, you know, Roger would have, would have made that happen. But the, the risk of trying to push it to November with the hope of maybe being able to do it with fans, there's, there's absolutely nothing to say that this will be any better at that point and, and maybe potentially even worse. And like you say, put the, the race itself at je in jeopardy. And that's just not, that's just not something that anybody in the series, you know, Penske, the, the teams, drivers, partners uh, could really afford to happen. So I, I think having the race and, and prioritizing making the race happen period is, is definitely more important. And, uh, and I, you know, I know it was got to have been an incredibly difficult decision to make, but I applaud them for being able to make it. Obviously it's already been a, a weird year, just not having the Indy 500 in the month of May for the first time since the 1940s. Um, so it's already kind of obviously been a, a weird year, but will that make it somewhat easier to not compete, you know, with fans or, or, have you started to try and envision how, you know, it might be different legitimately for you as a racer in the race to, to do it without fans? So, I mean, what's interesting about our sport, you know, is, is we don't get the, we kind of call it the arena effect of, of traditional sort of stick and ball sports. You know, we, we don't hear the hometown crowd cheering for you. We don't get our energy from the crowd in the car necessarily certainly the the buildup before the race is you know especially it's 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 exponentially higher at the any 500 and then anything you know post-race any post-race celebratory events you know not having fans is, you're gonna you're gonna sense that while we're actually competing i think it's uh, we're unique in the sense that we'll be affected less than than anyone else but you know trying to envision what it's going to be like is is difficult you know because we've never done it it's even 
you know, the, the race has been postponed. The race has been held off for world wars, but it's never before been run without fans being able to be there. And it's the largest single day sporting event on earth in the largest stadium built on earth. And it's such a special experience and, and, uh, and trying to imagine what it's going to be like, you know, when, when we roll out there in, in a couple Sundays, it's, it's tough and it's, it's kind of sad, you know, it's, um, it's, it's sad to think about what that's going to feel like, but at the end of the day, it's still the Indy 500. It's still the greatest spectacle in racing, you know, and, and we're still going to go out there and, and risk it all and, and try to put on a great show for all the fans watching at home. You landed a new partner this year, as you noted with Genesis you know, how's it kind of been with them working through them with this first year? I mean, obviously, it's an interesting first year for any new sponsor in any sport, including motorsports. But how has Genesis kind of enjoyed their their first foray in the motorsports? Yeah, very much so. And and honestly, I, I can't give the entire team there uh, enough credit. You know, first and foremost, I've been in this sport a long time. I've dealt with a lot of different partners and, and worked on a lot of different sponsorships. And sometimes these relationships take 12 or 18, 24 months to cultivate, especially when it's somebody that's brand new to motorsports. Uh, and Genesis was really new to sports in general. They hadn't really done sports activation before. Um, you know, it's a San Francisco based company, but their largest office is here in Indianapolis when they acquired interactive intelligence a few years back. And so they, they decided to jump into to the IndyCar world and we made first contact, which in a funny twist of, of, of how it all went down, they actually contacted me through direct message on Instagram, which is a case study on sponsorship 101 in, in and of itself, but we'll leave that for another time. But the, uh, the first contact was mid-November and we were on stage at one of their big conferences in uh, mid-January announcing the deal. And for you know a, a $2 billion company with zero experience in motorsports, to you know initiate understand champion for and execute on a motorsports sponsorship is unheard of and i can't i cannot credit the company enough with being agile enough to make that happen not only as quickly as they did through the time of year that they did obviously that's very late in uh in the financial year and they they really did pull it all together in an incredible fashion and they have been incredible through it all. You know, like you say, it's a bizarre year to be involved in, in sports sponsorship, but um, they loved, you know, the Genesis car on track at the, the Genesis 300 in Texas. And uh, they've been overwhelmingly supportive. They've, you know, got a giant banner down the side of their building sitting off 465. They purchased a ton of, uh, of ad space at the airport, which, you know, unfortunately now not as many people will be flying in for the race, but um, they've got, they've got billboards around town. They are, they are really activating and really behind it. And, uh, they've had a, you know, internally from what we've heard, they've been thrilled with the results so far. And, and that's without having even been able to entertain anybody at the track, which is, you know, such a core part of, of how these partnerships work. You've obviously transitioned to a bit of an interesting role for this year, 2020, um, you know, kind of splitting your time in the car and with NBC Sports as an analyst for their IndyCar coverage. You know, have you enjoyed that new role this year? How's the position with NBC been going? It's been going great. You know, obviously the uh, the goal is always to be in the car full time, but, you know, NBC approached me about getting involved in the broadcast and I was I was sold from from day one. You know, for me, 
I would talk about racing for two hours for free to nobody. So to, to get paid to do it to an audience is great, but they've, they've been, they've been so phenomenal to work with. You know, I, I've got no formal training in, in anything in that's in that world. And, uh, they kind of throw you in the deep end a bit, but the support staff around you is just so good. Everybody on the crew there is great to work with. And, uh, you know, being down either in pit lane or up in the booth, you know, I've, I've had the experience in both now, um, it's been fun. You know, obviously it, it, it hurt the first time that the engines fired up and everybody pulled out of pit lane and I was still standing there with a microphone in my hand, but you know, you, you kind of get into the role and, and I kind of, I try to approach it the same way I do my racing. You know, I'm, I try to prepare as much as possible and, and do the absolute best job that I can do. And it's been, uh, it's been fun so far. Were you reaching out to anyone, um, you know, whether it was some of the guys like Paul Tracy, Townsend Bell, or maybe even some of the guys on the NASCAR side for, to get any advice before you kind of started the role? Definitely. Yeah. Um, Townsend actually called me kind of shortly after the deal was done. And, uh, and that was awesome. He, he gave me a lot of insight into, uh, into how it all was going to work before we all left for St. Pete, which obviously didn't, didn't quite pan out, but, uh, he's, he's been great. And, and Lee Dippy has been great. Paul has been awesome to work with, uh, on the weekends, um, you know, I, I'm pretty good friends with AJ Allmendinger, who does a lot of work with NBC on the NASCAR side. And he kind of gave me some tips as well. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, like I said, it's, it's talking about racing, which I know how to do pretty well. It's just knowing, you know, what to say, when to say it, how to say it, to make sure it comes across to the viewers. Right. And one of the things that I always love doing anytime I get put in front of, you know, a group of people is educating them about IndyCar. You know, it's, it's such a cool sport, but it's a fairly, Unknown, it's, it's got a lot of unknowns, you know, there's a lot of elements that the even like, you know, a casual fan wouldn't know and a neophyte would have no idea about. And I, I always love just standing in a group of five or 10 people that don't know much about IndyCar and kind of getting into some of the nuances and the finer points because it's, it's so fascinating. You inevitably leave with 10 new, very, very passionate IndyCar fans. And so getting kind of the opportunity to, to do that and educate people a little bit through the NBC broadcasts is, uh, is something I'm really, really enjoying. And, and hope, hopefully we're creating some more diehard IndyCar fans out of it. And, and obviously, you know, kind of in the IndyCar world, it, it's almost tough to start to look at the next year before you finish the Indy 500. Usually that's much earlier in the year, but for, for you, do you have any kind of early thoughts on hopes for next year and, you know, whether trying to get back to a full-time ride might be possible? Absolutely. You know, that's, that's been the goal from kind of the minute we got the, the three race deal done with Andretti for, for 2020 was, okay, how do we start building on this and putting pieces in place for 21? And again, you know, the endless amount of credit to, to the folks at Genesis, because even through it all, they're still, they're still very optimistic and uh, very passionate about what we're doing together. And, and I think they want the program to grow and, and build as well. So uh, cautiously optimistic that we can put something together you know, between them and some of our other partners and, uh, and look at the options team wise. What's a, what's, what's a good car. What's, what are the, what open seats are there going to be? You know, 2020 was actually a pretty big contract cycle year throughout the paddock. Uh, so there'll be some, some shuffling around and we got to kind of see, you know, what chairs are open and when the music stops, make sure we're sitting in one. There's been a lot of obviously kind of talk about the, the NASCAR IndyCar crossover. We finally got to see it happen from a cup series perspective this year at Indianapolis how have you kind of viewed that? Do you think that there's that that's kind of a ripe idea to do more of that? And are you also seeing or hearing about any more interest from, you know, obviously we're seeing Jimmy Johnson wants to go to, to IndyCar. Do you think we're going to see more potential 
you know, one-offs in the Indy 500 from NASCAR drivers in the coming years? Yeah, I, I certainly think it's possible. You know, I, I think that the, uh, the event July 4th was, was awesome. And it, it's such a cool kind of, kind of barrier that we broke down. I think, you know, whatever stigma existed about not running both series on the same weekend, you know, we took care of and, uh, and I think it was a huge success. Again, tragedy, we couldn't, we couldn't have fans. It would have been great to see how they, how they enjoyed it, you know, in person at the track. Um, but I'm really hoping that that does open the door and, and pave the way for some some more collaborative efforts in the future. And um, I think that would just make the <clears throat> the opportunity and, and the possibility of peaking interest of more drivers, you know, doing some some races in the other series, uh, you know, that much stronger. And I've always wanted to jump into a stock car and, and see what it's like, especially on a road course, give that a whirl. And we'd love some of those guys to come over and try their hand at the 500. And and I know speaking to some of them that the uh, the addition of the aero screen has maybe made that a, a more realistic possibility for some of these guys that, you know, looked at the safety element of, of open wheel cars on ovals and, um, and maybe it was just a, a little bit too much, you know, for them, but this has really been a game changer for, you know, not just any car, but really the sport of motorsports. So I think we're going to see uh, a lot of series in the future, open wheel series kind of follow, follow the lead that IndyCar has set. And like I said, I think it's made some drivers more comfortable at the idea of, of racing around the speedway at 230 miles an hour. So hopefully we do see more of it. Final question, obviously pretty, you know, just crazy in retrospect that this turned into Roger Penske's first year. You know, have you kind of thought about that? And, and how do you feel like, you know, on one hand, maybe how he's taking this first year and at the same time, how thankful the industry is to, to have someone like him who's now in charge, uh, knowing that he's got the resources to deal with such a crazy year? Well, that, that's just it, right? I mean, I think in a lot of ways, you know, Roger's kind of the savior and I, I do feel bad for, for him and, and for everybody, you know, at, at, the, at the Penske organization for what they're having to navigate in their, you know, their first, their first season at the helm. But at the same time, there's no better organization and, and no better, you know, steward at the top to, uh, to, I think, be, be running the ship right now than, than Roger and his team. And it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this sort of trickles into 2021 and, and if there are any lasting effects. Again, I, I'm really cautiously optimistic we can actually find some, some silver linings in all this that help make the sport better moving forward. But uh, Roger and his team, everybody at Penske deserves a ton of credit for, uh, for, like I said, navigating an incredibly difficult situation that no one's really had to deal with before. There's no playbook for this. And I think they've done a phenomenal job and, and we're all definitely very lucky that, uh, that those are the people in charge. James, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. We'll chat soon.